Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello. We are so excited to be back for another episode, and we have a fun interview today. We have our friend, our new friend, Courtney Doctor here. Christian and I have heard Courtney speak at our home church at The Crossing, and so we're excited to get to talk to you a little bit more one-on-one and share your wisdom with our listeners. Yeah. So Courtney, why don't you, thank you first for joining us, but why don't you just start off by sharing us about yourself a little bit, your family, your education, what do you do, what are you working on right now, What what does your life look like? Absolutely. Well, first of all, just thanks for having me. It's really fun to be here. I was at the crossing a few years ago and definitely your church stands out in my mind as a very special, special church, special people. I also went to seminary with one of your pastors with Austin. And now I'm using the cookbook of some of your friends. Yes. Rachel, what's Austin's wife's name? I'm blanking on Nathan. it right now. Why is Nathan? Exactly. Shout they out to the just- Thriving Home Ladies. Yeah. Shout out to it. I love, I use one of their chicken soup recipes over and over and over. Delicious. um, I, yes, they are delicious. I do have a family. I have a husband and four adult children and five precious grandchildren, two amazing daughter-in-laws. I really cannot neglect to include them in there because I'm really blessed with amazing, amazing daughter-in-laws. Um, and these five precious grandchildren, four, there's one four-year-old, three two-year-olds, and one one-year-old that I'm getting to spend Easter with. I get to see all of them over the next week. So I'm very excited about that. And then I would also be neglectful to not mention our dog, Walter. Uh, we're a little a little obsessed with Walter. What kind of dog is Walter? He's a Bernadoodle. And yeah, we're, he, he actually has an Instagram. So Oh, yes. Walter. We will make sure to put that in our show notes, everyone, <laughs> so you can follow along on Walter's Instagram. Oh, my word. Yes. Walter, we've kind of lost our minds. Oh, That's amazing. That's funny. You mentioned that your grandma name is Cece. How did you get that grandma name? Did you come up with it or did your kids? Well, no, I actually did because my oldest son was just, he's like, don't, don't have a grandma name. Just be grandma. And I was like, mm. I, and that's great. I just didn't really didn't really resonate with me very much. And so my initials are CC. But the funny thing about it is I don't I don't want any vowels in it. And I'm kind of particular about that. So it's just the consonants. And it's not that I don't like I have friends that are CICI or CECE, but I am I am just the consonants. I don't know why it matters, but it does to me like that. I Yes. So CC is my is my grandmother name. And I had no idea how sweet it was going to sound coming out of the mouths of small children. I mean, I, just, I even have a coworker whose son calls me CC and he voxes me. And it's just the sweetest thing in the entire world. I, I love, love it that. so much. My my mother-in-law actually husband's Bob. Oh, OK. What is it? Bobby, which is Scottish for grandfather. Oh, cute. cute? Yeah, my mother-in-law did the same thing. She, her maiden name, it was her, with her maiden name, her initials were GG. And so she wants to be GG, but not G-I-G-I, just the GG. So I think that's so cute. Really? Yeah, she, yes. I heard of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, so she's Gigi, but not your typical Gigi. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's hear it for the consonants. I love grandma names, how they're all like different and unique. So that's very fun. I do too. 
Well, will you tell us a little bit about, so obviously you've been to our church before. We've heard about your work. We've read a lot of your content, but tell us a little bit about, you do a ton of work with the Gospel Coalition and tell us a little bit about what does your work look like? What do you study? What do you work on? Yeah. Tell us about that. I do. I work for the Gospel Coalition, which if you don't know what that is, it's a global ministry that's just really focused on resourcing the local church. And I'm the coordinator of women's initiatives for them, which I love. So I work to produce content for the women's initiatives and for the conference. We have a conference coming up. You're all invited to join us. It's June 16th through 18th in Indianapolis. And we're going to be looking at, we're going to, the title of the conference is Remember Your Joy, because we're going to be looking at these seven salvation stories in the Old Testament. And Melissa Kruger and I wrote a Bible study to go along with it, but we're really excited about it to to look at how even in those stories, so like Noah and the ark, that's the first one. Salvation was provided, right, for Noah and his family, but it's also pointing to our greater salvation in Christ and how he's our refuge. And so we're just excited to look at these probably pretty well-known salvation stories. I get to teach on David and Goliath, the most well-known story in all of scripture. And so how does it point us to the greater salvation that Jesus won for us in Christ and so, or in himself? And so that those are the conferences. And so I do writing along the lines of that, writing Bible studies. And I also just had a Bible study come out with Lifeway February 1st on the book of Romans, which I'm super excited about. That was such a privilege. We'll probably talk a little bit about that, but that's really what fills my days, my work for the Gospel Coalition and then writing projects outside of that and family. I love that. Yeah. You you write a lot. You put out a lot of content. You talk a lot about one thing I love that you talk about is how we don't just read God's word and we don't just read the Bible to be informed, but we read that to be like transformed. How did you even get into, tell us a little bit about your just like faith story. How did you even get into Bible teaching? What made you just really passionate about God's word and teaching off of that? I wasn't a believer until my early 20s. And one of the very first things that the Lord did in my heart. He really gave me this hunger for his word. And and a lot of it was driven from all of a sudden I had these two little boys strapped into their car seats and they were asking me, you know, they could talk and they were asking me questions like what happens when, you know, what's heaven? And I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know. And so I wanted to know. So part of it was that, but I just had this borderline insatiable hunger to know the word of God. And so I started studying and pretty early on, like late 20s, early 30s, a pastor in a church that we were attending said, would you ever consider co-teaching this class with me? And it was a big co-ed Sunday school, adult Sunday school class. And I, I thought, I don't know how to teach. I don't know what I'm doing. And But sure, I don't even know why he thought. He, he recognized gifts, which I just encourage all of our ministry leaders to look for the gifts in people and then give them opportunity to learn. So the very first time we met at a McDonald's and we went over what the content was going to be. And he said, you just teach anything you want to teach and then I'll pick up when you're finished. Wow. So I worked and worked and worked and I stood up and like, he didn't really divide it up super clearly. And I stood up and I taught everything I knew about it. And it took about five minutes and I sat down and he was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to be ad-libbing for the next 55 minutes of this class. I don't think that's he, hilarious. I, mean, I, I was like, that's all I got. It took me a whole week, but that's all I got. Like I got this five minutes. So anyway, that's kind of how it started. And I know, isn't that funny? But he kept giving me opportunities. Hey, at least he trusted you, though. He's like, God's doing something. In and you had worked so. probably so hard on that. And you were probably so you proud probably of it. You were probably also talking like uber fast. You know, when you get nervous and uh-huh. you're just like, and you're yes. like, okay, I practiced. And that was 
eight minutes, but it just came out in five. <laughs> That's hilarious and probably true. And I do talk fast anyway. So can you imagine? So that's kind of how I started teaching. And he kept letting me teach this Sunday school class. And and then it was people would move into town and then move out. And when they moved out, all of a sudden people were calling and saying, well, would you ever do a women's retreat? And I was like, well, sure, you know, I'll do a women's retreat. And so, so it kind of went along those lines. And then I started teaching much more regularly, a weekly Bible study in our local church. And, and then we had the opportunity in our forties to move to St. Louis and go to seminary. And my husband and I went together. So that's cool. We literally, yeah, we say we literally sold the farm. We were living on 15 acres in Kansas. And we moved to St. Louis to go to seminary. And that's how I met Austin. And we, um, yeah, we loved it. And so for me, it was just for my husband, it was 180 degree turn. But for me, it was just further equipping to do what I felt called to do, which was teach the word. But you asked about this, this idea of being not just merely informed, but being transformed by the word. And I do think that's an important concept for us to grasp because We can think, well, now that I'm a Christian, you know, I need to go to Bible study. And as I go to Bible study, I'm just going to learn all of these things. And that's true. It's it's true. And and learning things is important, but it's just not the end game, right? God's doing something. That's what that's what Romans 12 tells us, that we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so as we learn new things, that he starts teaching us new things. And so so I do think that's an important concept to remember that when we're going to Bible study or we're listening to a sermon that God is at work. I mean, it's a, it's a supernatural activity and he is, he's living and active. His word is living and active and he's doing something in us and for us and, and he's changing us. I love that. I, I mean, there's so many thoughts that I have off of what you just said there. One of my favorite things is when I meet people and just learn about their story. And a lot of times I hear that, well, I met this person and they just looked so different and I wanted to look like them or I wanted to live a life that looked like theirs. And their just life looked really different. And I think, wow, that is literally people being able to see what God is doing in people's lives. That's the story of like my parents and how they met. It's a story of like so many of our friends that they just saw something that someone had been transformed by the gospel, had been transformed by what God was doing in their lives. And that is like, you then get the opportunity to like showcase that transformation to other people to hopefully bring them to also come to know Jesus. And so that is just so cool to me. I love what you say. And I don't know, just the picture of that. It's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's go to your book of Romans. So you just came out through Lifeway with your book of Romans, but why why study Romans? What made you excited about that? And take us through that a little bit. So Romans is, it's a it's a book in the New Testament. It was written, it's a letter written to the church in Rome, written by the Apostle Paul. And, and most theologians will consider Romans the most significant, at least of Paul's letters. Some say possibly one of the most significant letters in the New Testament. And some will say one of the most significant books in all of Scripture. So it's it's just a dense, rich, incredible letter where Paul just poured out his heart for the gospel to this church in Rome. And so part of our discipleship, part of following Jesus is knowing his word. And I would say that knowing, studying, understanding Romans is a significant part of our discipleship. It's it's important that we understand this letter because it is it is just so, it is all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel of grace. Paul uses this phrase, the gift, free gift of the gospel. And and what Paul does in this letter is he is explaining what the gospel is and then what the gospel does and then how to go share the gospel. So it's just this, 
it, it's just one of the most magnificent works that has been given to us for understanding like the richness of our salvation, what has happened for us and what is continuing to happen in us. And so when I had the opportunity to write this study, I just, I jumped at it, not only because to be able to, to offer something to study this amazing book, but, but to drive me and to study it in a, in a deeper, more significant way. It was just a huge privilege to be able to write it. Well, I'm personally excited to do the study. And something when we were looking through the new book, you said something, God's glorious gospel of grace doesn't just change your eternal future, it changes your present reality. And you kind of alluded to that when you were just explaining it. But what do you think that can offer right now to young women, young girls like us in our mid-20s, early 30s, that are just trying to figure all of this out, figure out how we relate to God in light of the gospel? What does that do for us? Well, I think it's so easy for us to think my salvation is for this day in the future, that this is all about, this is all about something that will happen. It feels so far off, but what scripture tells us is our salvation is for now. And I remember when I was a young mom with these two little boys and we had, I had gone back to school and somebody was helping us take care of the kids. And she asked me, she said, would you follow Jesus? if heaven was not part of the deal. And I remember thinking, I don't think I would. But her point was, no, it's it's it matters today. Like heaven is part of the deal. And we look forward to that. But our salvation is now. And so in the moments of our days, you and I, because of this gift of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, he gives us his peace. And that's for today. Like you can have peace in the midst of chaos. He gives us his joy and you can have joy in the midst of sorrow. He gives us forgiveness. I mean, I daily need that. I need to be cleansed and to be washed of my sins. And he does that every single day that we come to him moment by moment. I mean, that is that is on free offer for us. It's not just this, at the end of our life, we're going to be forgiven everything. It's today I can be forgiven for everything that that I am, you know, all the brokenness, all of the sin that I'm currently living with, I can be forgiven. And he changes us today. He says, you can be sanctified or you can be made more like me today. Like that's not for the age to come. I mean, that's for, that's for today. And so as you go through the moments of your days in just the the joys and the sorrows and the, the frustrations and the challenges and the chaos and the confusion of everything that can just come at us, Every single day, I think it's important to remember that your salvation in Christ is meant to impact that. It's meant to change it. And that gives us hope, right? And it also means we're very secure. And I was reading in, in John this morning in my quiet time and in John 6, 37, he says, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And so like that security of the gospel too, like that's meant that's, again, that's not just for the future. That's for today. Like he's not going to cast you out today. Um, and so I, I think it's really important to cling to that in the moments of our days. And even I'm just thinking as obviously moms of young kids and just an, an employee and a wife and a friend, all of the roles that I play, if I only thought that the gospel was something that I can only look forward to and wasn't a part of my everyday that changes things and impacts things, then I would think that all those roles I play really don't matter a lot. Or what I do, the mundane tasks that I do often to complete or be, you know, like achieving and all of those things probably don't matter a lot if I don't actually believe that 
no, like God has made time and he is like, yeah, brought, you know, all of this reality here for a reason for me. He has purpose in my day, purpose in my actions. And yeah, that like totally transforms what those roles look like. You said so many good things in that. And I just want to point out what an amazing babysitter or whatever caretaker that person was that's mentioned that. I'm like, wow, that's amazing that she was able to kind of have that. I'm like, I want that babysitter, but that was good. (laughs) God really, God used her in my life in so many ways. And she would go home. She was just burdened with my with my growth in Christ, with my discipleship, she would write me, she'd watch my kids and then she'd go home and write me these long letters. Um, She was my mom's age. And so, you know, she's an older woman who just was so willing to, to pour into me because she cared so deeply about my discipleship. So grateful. That's amazing. That's really cool. Your book is called In View of God's Mercies. And we wanted to talk about, again, this kind of concept of mercy. Why do you think as just humans, this is a really hard thing to grasp. <laughs> it is hard to grasp, isn't it? It's so the title of the book came out of of Romans 12:1 where Paul it's this great shift in the letter. If you outline the letter, it's this transition between all of these things. He spends 11 chapters telling us all of these things that are true of God and then he's going to shift for the next 5 chapters and just tell us how we live this out. And so this transition verse is in view of God's mercies. And it's a plural. It's all of these mercies I've just laid out. All of these things he's done for us in Christ. This is how we live it out. But but I defined mercy in the book as God's compassion, patience and loving kindness that causes him to withhold what we deserve, which is wrath and judgment, and by grace give us what we don't deserve, which is salvation and life. And I think part of the reason it's hard for us to grasp what mercy is, is that we are not merciful people. I mean, that's not who we are by nature. You know, we like to give a person what they deserve, right? You know, you made your bed, you're going to have to lie in it. Or every child cries out like, it's not fair. I remember saying to my kids, we need to be so grateful that life's not fair because we are saved because it's not fair. And so this idea of like fairness, it's we're just not merciful people by by nature. And even when we are merciful, like when we show someone mercy, we feel really good about ourselves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was so... I took the high road. Wow. Exactly. I mean, it's like, yay me. But there's this this idea that mercy is at the core of who God is. I think a lot about Exodus 34 when when Moses said, you know, show me your glory. And, and God hit him in the cleft of the rock. And then he, he walked past and he wanted to show, he wanted to tell Moses who he is. And the very first word out of his mouth is merciful. He said, you know, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God who is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he goes on. And and I just think like the that's how God leads with his introduction. Um, that just gives me so much confidence to approach the Lord. Like that's that's how he wants us to know him. He is a merciful God, gracious, slow to anger. And I think we tend to think of him that he's like us and he's you know, that it's hard for him to be merciful and he's begrudging with his, his mercy and he's not. And it's out of that mercy that he saves us. That's so good. I want I want to take that definition and make sure we put it in our show notes for people because, yeah, I mean, even just that definition, if we read that every day and if as Christians we are trying to reflect and be images, image bearers of our creator and image bearers of who how he would treat people, how he would love people, 
I think if we just read that every morning, I mean, that is just really convicting. That is a good way to really transform your words and actions to look more like Jesus. Yeah, and it it kind of helps just like preaching the gospel to ourselves daily, us switch that perspective and keep that in mind and that impacts everything we do. So I love that too. Kind of jumping, another theme that you've unpacked in your study is this idea of being loved, called, and then made holy by God. So will you break that down for us and tell us what that means for a practical sense in our daily lives? Yeah, so that's out of Romans. It's in Romans 8 where he he's sort of giving like this chain of events that happens and we can go either there, it's verses 28 through 30, or we can go to Ephesians 1 where he kind of explains this chain of events. And and what we what we realize is that like if we combine those two, Romans 1 and I mean, Romans 8 and Ephesians 1, you know, Romans 1 is like, it's in love that he did these things. So that's the first thing, like in love, he predestined us for adoption or for salvation. And he calls us and he's talking about the fact that if he loved you and he set his love on you, he called you. And then this end game of, you know, he's going to make you holy. It's this, uh, he's going to conform you to the image of his son is what Romans says. And Ephesians says that he is going to, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So there's this result of what he does. But I think that as we think about how that impacts our just sort of everyday life, I mean, to know that it was God's love, this is kind of what we were just talking about, but to know that it was God's love that compelled him to act. He was he was under no obligation or requirement to save us, but his love is what compelled him to do that and to call you. And when you're called, you're given, I mean, that idea really conjures up, like we're given purpose and meaning because we have been called to belong, but we've also been called to join God on his mission. Like we get to participate with that. That gives us our identity. We're a member of the people of God. We we get to participate in what he's doing and we get to participate in what he's doing, not just through us, but in us. And so that's that idea of making us making us holy. And if we understand that that God so loved us that he called us to belong to himself and to invite us to join him on his mission, which I I argue is twofold. It's in us to conform us more to the image of Christ. And then it's through us for the proclamation of the gospel to all the world for our daily lives. Like, doesn't that just bring so much clarity to the moments of our days? You know, we think, well, should I do this? I mean, should I watch this? Should I read this? Should I say this? Should I go there? Well, how is it participating in this idea that you're loved and you're called and you've, you're joining God on his mission and he's making you holy? And so, you know, I think, well, those times when I've just blown it, I remember that I am completely loved. And when I feel like I don't, like, what's my purpose? What am I doing? What's the significance of my life? I mean, I remember, oh, I'm called. I'm called to participate in the greatest mission of all times. And those times that I think, does holiness really matter? Like, does it really, like, does the pursuit of holiness really matter? Then I remember that that's what he's called me to, is to be blameless before him and to be conformed to the image of his son. And so my holiness actually does matter. And it does affect the moments of our days. They're not just these doctrinal truths or these these things that we we try to intellectually conquer. I mean, they need to work their way into our hearts and our lives, what they mean and the outworkings of those. So they're they're big concepts, but they're beautiful and they do change. They do change how we live. I love the idea when you say called, just you repeating that word over and over just made me think of how intentional that word is. You know, it's not accidental. It's not just a bump alongside one another. That's so intentional. And so I just love that about everything you said. That was some good wisdom. 
Yeah, that was so good. You've like given us so many good things and I'm excited. Um, I know everyone needs to listen to this on like half speed because you've said so many awesome yes. things. Write a bunch of little notes and stick them all over my house. That's what I want to do with all of it. But yeah, again, talking to this 20 year old, 30 year old, what is just some good just wisdom or just something that maybe you like God's teaching you right now or that you're learning about him that you really want to share with our listeners today, share with us about God and his character and what you've learned about him. Mm, I love that. And I love that you, you know, you didn't say just in my twenties and thirties, because we just continue to learn these things. And I think some of the initial things that the Lord really had to work in me really were issues about identity and where my identity is anchored, where it, where it resides, because I am so tempted and a less and less, praise God, but was so incredibly tempted to put my identity in these lesser things. My identity was very much wrapped up in like achievement and performance and, you know, even appearance or kids and their achievement, their performance, their, you know, appearance. I mean, that's like, we can, that can become so much of our identity. And and I think that so much of my identity was wrapped up in what I did. And so what he did early on was sort of come in and strip me of some of those things and say, I really want you to understand the sufficiency of Christ. I want you to understand that like everything you have is found in him. And as he has made that even more and more and more of a reality in my life, it is just such joy and and peace, right? I mean, I the strivings do cease. And I am so grateful for that. And then I think the other thing, which I sort of alluded to in the beginning was, so if he was teaching me the sufficiency of Christ for my my identity, he was also teaching me the sufficiency and the necessity of his word. And what I now as a a woman in my mid fifties would say to my 20 and 30 year old self or any 20 or 30 year olds listening is I just cannot stress how important it is to show up every day possible to be in the word because what God's doing is he is building this foundation in you that you will need. I I will need. He is he's hiding his word in your heart because you need it. And I think I think that we can so often hear or think, well, I'm going to open the word because I want to have a better day. I want this daily pick me up. I want this verse that just encourages and inspires me. But when we look at even just the parable of the man who built his house on the rock, right? He, he built that. It had to take him a long time. It takes a long time to build a house, but he built it before the storms came. He built it before the waters rose. And that's the point is that it is a long game. And so it's not just looking for this. I hope my day goes better because I spent time in God's word. It is a slow process of, of sanctification and transformation. But what he's doing in all of it he is just he is just building this foundation that when the storms come when you know it's and they will right and they do but it is a solid foundation that will hold you that will it will not let you fall i mean that is that is the strength of the word of god and it tells us you know hold us firm through drought and storm right it is so worth it even when you don't feel it even when you don't feel inspired by it but to trust and obey, trust that God is doing something, obey that, believe him that we need his word every day and and show up. And over time, you're going to see that he is building this, this sure and strong thing in you. And so that that would be probably my greatest advice to a young woman starting out is you 
you will never regret time spent in the Word of God. No. Wow. That's so good. I just recently have been learning a lot of those things. I mean, I feel like even the last few months learning about the sufficiency of Christ, that He is sufficient for all of my needs that I don't have to achieve. I don't have to earn that. I don't have to work for that. And yeah, I mean, that is really good. I got emotional when you said that stuff. Samantha and I are super passionate about just reading God's Word for ourselves, but also getting other people, yeah, inspired to read God's Word because learning more about His character, learning more about his faithfulness through generations and generations of people and stories and promises is amazing. Yeah. It transforms, yeah, your understanding of that. And yeah. that's incredible. I started tearing up on that part. Yeah, just because even something that I'm walking through the last few days, it's like me consistently reading my Bible the last few few years. You're so right. It's like not every day do I close my Bible, you know, early in the morning as I hear my daughter start to come down the stairs and think, wow, you know, I'm just on this spiritual high and this is what God just showed me in this 30 minutes or however long I got that morning. But I am just so grateful for, yeah, just these moments of peace I've been feeling the last few days and just scripture and words from God and things I've remembered through my studying of God's word in the past year that, yes, it's so true. It's like if I just woke up in the storm, I don't have time to pack all of that into, you know, what I need. And of course, God still meets us where we are and you, we have community for that. But I'm so grateful that I have just been in a season the last few years of desiring more and more of God's Word, even when I don't feel like it, because this is the moment where I'm like, yeah, this is why you build that foundation. So I love that. And I really did get teary-eyed thinking about that. So I think, I'm, I don't know, our listeners will take a lot from that. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. And I even am just thinking, even as we talk about this, I'm like thinking of the journey that Samantha and I have been on about just learning God's Word and being really intentional about that time. But I even want to encourage you, if you are listening today, and that is not the place that you are out, even just what it looks like to not have like the Instagram pic, like picture perfect of like a cute chair with great sunlight yeah. and a coffee cup yeah. and the flowers on the table. Not that. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that. But even if it looks like praying in your shower, praying in your shower, <laughs> this is or me a lot. literally setting your alarm. <laughs> 10 minutes mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. to try to get up maybe five minutes earlier, mm-hmm. to have maybe three minutes in God's Word, and get a couple people alongside you who you can be held accountable by, if that's your spouse or your roommate or just friends that say like, hey, every day I need you to text me or every day I'm going to text you after this is done. But that's what it looks like. It looks like starting out at like three minutes, mm-hmm. opening up, getting a study. We can, we, please reach out. We have tons of resources. There are tons of different, really easy, yes, really easy, tangible ways to get in God's word and just start in the smallest way because it doesn't look like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. It can, that would be awesome, but it doesn't have to look like that. And it doesn't have to be this picture perfect thing. Yeah. I just hope that encourages whoever's listening. So. We so appreciate you talking today, Courtney. And will you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can order your Roman study? We want everyone to know where they can access all of that. Oh, thanks. Definitely. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, not Twitter as much. I'm there, but I just don't do a whole lot on Twitter. You know, Twitter is not the friendly place. That, I, that's I, I not, we're not on Twitter. We're, we're not, not either. It's I, nice. I go back to Instagram way, way a lot more. Um, and you can order the new Roman study through LifeWay. And I think it's just maybe lifewaywomen.com backslash mercies, but I can send that link to you so you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Well, we really appreciate our time together with you today. Such a joy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. 
And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.